Hi, I'm Taylor Strecker, and this is Younger Uncovered, a podcast dedicated to all things younger. In this episode, we're going to get into all the juicy details of Younger's newest love triangle and uh, dish about what happens when Younger parties with rock stars, mama boys, and the art world all in one episode. It's episode 506, entitled Sex, Liza, and Rock and Roll. And here to break it down with me is uh, my very special and very handsome guest, Charles Michael Davis, a.k.a. Zane. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty you good. You are handsome. Thank you. <laughs> What's it like to be so handsome? Uh, <laughs> it, it's good. It's good. It, it comes be. in handy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get some things for free and I get, I get good seats. It's... <laughs> It's yeah, it's good. For everyone that talks about you adores you. Cast, I writers, paid them all. I know That's you where did. All my money I knew goes. you did something. <laughs> it's a campaign. And so I couldn't wait to meet you in person. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. It's the smile. Yeah, it's the magic. My mom has a magical smile. Yeah, she gets so us know. like bumped up to first class on international flights. It's like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't born with it, so. Yeah, you have other great qualities. I'm just listening to the sound of your voice, and I'm like, ah, oh, I like the texture and the tone and where well, it goes. Thank and, you. He's charming yeah. as well. I try to. Ladies see. and gentlemen, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Let me ask before we get started. I mean, we're getting started, but how alike Zane are you, would you say? God, it's crazy. Um, well, obviously, he's a fictional character, but there are aspects of him that I consciously cultivated in my life because I wasn't always so, I guess, outgoing and, and also ambitious. And yeah, it was sort of more like a shadow side. Like I was just more kind of chill. and. So Zane kind of inspired you to live out some of those strong characteristics. Yeah, it's just, it's something definitely that I turned on. It's something that um, being in this business that I realized I was going to have to encounter doing interviews and going to conventions and being on stage in front of people and it's live. So, you know, this kind of personality came on where, you know, he's just kind of on. He's charming and he knows it. He's ambitious with what he wants and he flirts. And so, yeah, it was something that, uh, you know, I've been cultivating. So when I actually got the audition, I looked at it and I thought, oh, I got this. I so got this. I was prepared to be in the room with the casting director. I mean, we worked on that scene eight times just in the audition. So I already done it. And what was the audition scene? The audition scene, it was from the first episode uh, that I came into, season four, episode four. I'm walking her home. There's that one. And the one where I I, uh, first meet her, where I walk in, I say, I I believe, you know, Zane Anderson. But yeah, I remember the feedback that I got from them was, you know, you were it, like 20 seconds into the audition tape. He's already like fully formed. Uh, he is Zane. So I watch a show and I kind of like, uh, like kind of watch Do you like watching yourself? I do. I watch as an audience member, as a spectator. Like, I'm like, look at this guy. Oh. Are you rooting for Zane? I don't know because he's almost, his facade is almost too much. I just want him to like, Oh, I got some, I got relax. some good questions for you coming up in a little bit. Okay. Cause I have some real hard hitting questions about Zane. And that is so interesting. You were a guest star last season. So congratulations on now officially being part of the cast. What was it like coming into a cast that's like so tight knit and been together for so many seasons? Um, I had a good track record of coming into casts that were yeah. already built, you know, um, Grey's Anatomy and also on a cast that was being built, um, switched at birth. So I had a good trial run. So when I came in... Um, it's like being a new kid in school. Yeah, being a new kid in school, but also being a kid that travels so much that you just... moves Your family moves around so much that like you Like an just, army brat, kind yeah, of. Yeah, so that was it. I just knew who to uh, beat up first day. <laughs> 
Who'd you beat up day one? Make them my, uh, oh, Peter Hermick. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's like six foot four. The yeah, biggest take out guy the, in the room. Biggest guy in the yard. He was, yep. it was that scene where we're all dressed in pink. And so I went over, you know, the ladies and then I had to, had to. Beat up, beat up Peter. <laughs> take on Peter, yeah. How'd you take him down? We did a fight club type thing. <laughs> we laid down cardboard in a basement in a seedy diner. <laughs> Ed Norton was there to narrate. <laughs> we made sure we had a cup of Starbucks sitting around. Oh, man. I've also heard through the grapevine that Miriam makes you laugh, like, uncontrollably. I was watching the episode Catch It Up, and I was I said out loud, I love her. I just love her. Yeah, she does. I just had her on this episode before you, mm. and she had me howling. I mean, give that give that woman a stand-up hour. Let her just improv Please, for an hour. Please, right? Well, yeah. what a fun cast to come into. And we love having you on. So, on a scale of one to ten, how awesome is it to kiss uh, Hillary Duff? Gosh, you put me on the spot because <laughs> I've had the pleasure and been very lucky to kiss a lot of beautiful women on and off screen. Yes, and Hillary, <laughs> more on, more off. You walked right into that one. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. Um, but she is arguably one of the best. Wow. She's, she's an excellent, excellent kisser. Oh, you guys have insane chemistry. Thanks. So what was it like when you met her day one? Because, I mean, that's got to be really important in, in the acting world is to know that you've got that chemistry. You know, day one, I knew not to to come in and take up too much space. Mm-hmm. So the first day was actually that uh, the, the pink episode. So it was a bigger set, more people. So I just sat in the chair and they had my chair next to hers. And I kind of just minded my business until she broke the ice and asked me, you know, do I am I from L.A.? What part of town am I staying in? That's just small talk. And then we had our scenes and we kind of warmed up into it. So we got to see sort of personality and acting styles and uh-huh. everything. And then we got to the the kissing and stuff later. And then it was um, all some sailing from there. Yeah. So yeah. a huge focus of this episode. We've got uh, Empirical trying desperately to get this book written by rock star Chrissy Hart, played by Gina uh, Gershon. Mm-hmm. Charles and Liza I go to uh, out in the Hamptons. There's an island called a Shelter Island, and uh, they go to her house trying to extract the book from her. They end up getting drunk on absinthe, yeah, <laughs> and really uh, having a very big confrontation. The two of them, and just to catch you guys up and just recap everything. So it looked like Liza and Charles were beginning to thaw a little bit, and that he was actually beginning to forgive her. But then he shuts her down when she wants to talk, and she goes into her room. And then there's like a moment where he's at the door where it's like, <gasps> go and do it. And then of course he doesn't because. He's Charles and he's being the good boy that he is. But it got me thinking about this idea of like when someone betrays you that you did trust, do they deserve to be trusted again? And do you believe in second chances? See, this is like a bigger thing, I think, especially in society now about calling people out on things. And I'm a big fan of the Bible. I'm not necessarily religious, but I love the stories because they wrote them 2,000 years ago. Some of the issues that, that we're having now, they had back then. But I love the story where it's all the men, they drag the woman out um, to see Jesus and um, they're screaming and, and, you know, she's an adulterer and Jesus isn't even paying attention and they're screaming again, she's an adulterer. And then he just says, okay, well, he who's without sin cast the first stone. Uh, and then all the guys are kind of like, oh, rumbling. Okay. Then they start to leave, but there's some that still hang out. And then finally they leave, and then the woman stays. She's kind of asking for forgiveness. And he says, Is there anyone here that still condemns you? And she says, No. 
And he says, okay, we'll go. Because even he didn't condemn her. There's no judgment there. And so that's one of the things I think is before people start pointing fingers or, you know, condemning anybody, we can't forget that we all have moments. And I think it, it is something to throw away somebody's character and, and the connections that you've had and the history for a moment where they might have let you down. And that's what I, unconditional love is. To really test someone, though, you got to show them your mess. And they're seeing each other's mess, which is real intimacy. Yeah, it hurts, but they'll, they'll find their way back to each other. And hopefully. also, the character assassination comes from L.L. Moore. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, Charles, like, get with it, right? Yeah, yeah, like, seriously, I mean, come on. And this is after Charles is going through this whole thing with the divorce and, and, exactly. and, and the book. And, you know, he's got his secrets, too. He's trying to handle it. And, but it, it's about that image, too, of nobility. And that's the thing that gets, that's Charles's facade that gets in his way. Liza's got her facade, but, you know, I think Charles has his, you know, he could get a little messy. Now, some people would argue that because Liza is kind of like, well, I don't know, we've known her to be a pretty convincing liar, that maybe Charles shouldn't trust her. Maybe she is a con <laughs> person, you know, a con artist. But how is it, despite this fact, that the audience still roots for her? Because you know where her heart is. When somebody cares, it's what they care about, um, where you can justify those things, I think. And it's easy for the audience to put themselves into Liza's totally. shoes. Yeah, Because people yeah. are, we're all, like you said, flawed individuals. Who hasn't made a mistake, right? Who mm-hmm. hasn't had regret? If everybody was met with compassion and like an opportunity to tell their story, wouldn't the world just be a better place? Liza lying about her age was a short-term solution to a problem. A social problem. Yeah. It wasn't even a Liza problem. A societal problem. Our issues, you know, and that's a thing. You know, who's at fault? Liza or society who gives Liza this complex, you know? We got deep with it. Oh, we're like two seconds <laughs> in and we're already like talking about the Bible. Okay, so back at Empirical, uh, Kelsey and Zane are doing a good cop, bad cop routine with Jake when uh, you decide his first chapter basically sucks. Yeah. So we as audience, we now know that Kelsey's sleeping with both of you guys. Zane does not, okay? Right. And also, of course, you know, like Lauren talks about this whole double dipping thing and she actually says, well, men do it all the time. So what are your thoughts on this idea of like double dipping? You know, I had an epiphany myself last season watching The Bachelorette. No, you did not. I had a, I did. I did. I had a serious epiphany. First of all, how do you find the time to watch that show? It is like literally <laughs> getting another job. Uh, I got I got it on uh, on on Hulu, so we're all good. <laughs> so you binge watch it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I sometimes watch it live. But here's a beautiful, charismatic, smart uh, woman holding it down, and she handles things very well on national television. And she's dating, you know, twenty something guys, and they all know about each other. Also, in, in society, we date, and if you're attractive and desirable in this world, it's so blind and so willfully naive to think that somebody else isn't courting that person. So. The thing is, we just don't have a conversation about it. But it's being played on TV. We should just be more honest or at least not be so naive. Yeah, you might be seeing somebody else, but I hope you enjoy the time that we're having together. And I'm not going to flip out and be somebody different and, you know, and and shame you for it. So digging more than one person at the same time, totally cool. You asking me personally? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fine with it. (laughs) Fine with it. Now, so when do you want to, like, not you specifically, just in general, or you specifically if you're comfortable, uh, be exclusive? And when do we have that talk? When do you have the conversation uh, about being exclusive? That's an open and vulnerable thing when I think you feel like, yeah, you are invested in someone. And I think that takes time. 
you know. Is it a thing of the past in today's dating world and the millennial dating culture? I don't think it is. I think it's a character choice. And, you know, I have this acting teacher and he said something about it, about uh, relationships and how we'll, some of the students will sleep together and rush into things together and think it's crazy that things don't work out. And he says, you know, that you guys are entering into negotiations consciously or unconsciously. He goes, yes, the, the marriage rate is 50% or less than, but the people who are married and stay married, they enter and go out into the dating world looking to make a different kind of negotiation. Everyone has problems, so you're not gonna escape them. Some are just more brave of heart and more real and know that when they're getting into a relationship, Philip Seymour Hoffman said, when you say yes to somebody, you're saying, yes, I will be hurt by you. And that's the beautiful thing about life. If you don't have that, then all you have is consumerism. I don't know. <laughs> you don't, well, without the sour, you can't have the sweet, right? You need that yin and that yang. And you gotta be brave enough and willing to, to take that bite. I guess you wanna use a, a food analogy. So. Zane seems to be changing in the way he acts towards Kelsey. Like, first it was like hookup, central, playerville, and now he's doing like sweet boyfriendy things. Yeah. So, can a player change for the right person? And is Zane going to change for Kelsey? In your prediction, don't give anything away. Again, people put up a facade as a short term solution. I think Zane's facade is that he's a player, but at heart, he's really a romantic. I mean, he does some really big romantic gestures and takes her out to Times Square to see the billboard. That's some serious planning. Like, if he were to propose, he'd have a great proposal video. At his heart, he was always a, a, a romantic, and now it's just the cracks are starting to open up, and he's starting to show that deep down he. He does want someone and he does care. And, and Kelsey is is looking like that person. OK, well, here's the thing, too, though, because as a, and we talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about this. Do we think that Zane is truly trustworthy? What motivates him? Are his intentions pure with Kelsey or is it more like of a male competition thing? Because he likes like sniffs out Jake. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about his character is that to have character, you have to have ambivalence. So you got to be um, unpredictable. And his side that makes him unpredictable is his ambition. And because they work together and they're both striving for the same thing, yeah, it's going to pull them apart. So, yes, he does love her, and um, that's how he feels, but he also feels ambitious, so his actions might have him do some things that would jeopardize the relationship. Well, and also, I wonder if he's just kind of being like, maybe it's subconscious competition, but he is competitive by nature in business, mm -hmm. but I can't imagine that he wouldn't be competitive if he knew another guy was around. And I always say that, I mm -hmm. tell my friends, if you want to get a guy, date another guy, because they can always smell the scent of another man type of thing. <laughs> and so Zane can definitely see that Jake's into Kelsey, okay? Yeah. And so you make a comment, well, Zane does, about him not being her type because he's like uh, kind of like too much of a nice guy. So what do we think about this bad guy versus good guy thing? Like, are there truly good guys and bad guys? Why do girls go after the bad guy? Why do we reject the good guy? That is a mystery. You know, I don't know. I think that um, for me, being an actor and one of the things I had to do was take that bad side back. Also, I think it helps to bring out those softer, nurturing sides of a woman when a man does have a bad boy aspect. Because if a man's too nice and sweet, it's kind of like, how do I add to this mix? Then I would think there's an imbalance. And then if I'm just around anyone in general who's too sweet, I'm like, where's your dark side? I'm thinking some crazy thoughts right now. <laughs> Are you not having these thoughts? Uh, like... <laughs> what kind of crazy thoughts are we talking about? I could be gay. I could be Anything gay. impulsive, anything you just want to <laughs> scream out in public or you know, we're in New York, so you just want to yell at the cars. And you're like, if that's not getting to you, that's too nice. Like, we can't, we can't hang because I, I feel body crazy. check people on the subway. I'm not proud of it, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's their fault. I'm like, I can't get out if you're blocking me in. You're like an ice <laughs> hockey player. Are you just skating around looking for
for somebody to run into. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you check them up against the window. New York City is the best place to be uh, angry in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So at the end of this episode, Zane and Kelsey totally make out in the office. Mm-hmm. What's it like having these intimate scenes, like with a bajillion people around? Like everyone always thinks it's like so sexy, but like, is it like very technical and mechanical? I enjoy, I don't, I don't want to say I enjoy people watching, but I enjoy people watching. Ooh, he said it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's part of the excitement. <laughs> uh, so yeah, makes me more comfortable. The more people around, the better, really. I invite people to invite their parents and family (laughs) members and friends, and we're all going to get on this together. We're all going to have a moment. So another big moment in this uh, episode is Maggie gets into the Whitney Biennial, and it's like a really emotional moment when she's taking in her own success. She's almost like can't even like process it because it's so big. Mm -hmm. Have you had a moment like this in your career? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, leaving that audition for the originals, I wanted to be like Will Smith in The Pursuit of Happiness. I left the room. I went to the corner of a room and I cried. And I like pumped my, my it's going to make me emotional. Aww. I pumped my hands in the air because I knew I changed my life. You know, I had worked so hard. I left my family and friends, moved out to Los Angeles, didn't know anyone, never studied acting. And it was like, I was just in it. I was like, this was a moment that I was going for. So I'm just going to sit in it. And so my life since then, I mean, you know, being here in New York and being on the on the show, yeah. So it makes you realize all that planning and everything you went through in the past, mm-hmm. it's paying off now in this moment. If you can just sit in it, it'll for me, yeah, it makes me emotional. It kinda it, it kinda rocks. Hardcore. Well, it seems like Charles Cold Shoulder and Betrayed Heart might be starting to thaw towards Liza, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Kelsey's getting deeper and deeper with Zane and Jake. Uh, don't give anything away, but are there any hints that you can offer up to the audience and myself about what might be coming? There's surprises. So I think whatever you're thinking, think the opposite and then go another 45 degrees away from there. Oh, <laughs> what a tease. Right? <laughs> yes. So turn around, go backwards and take a right turn. <laughs> and that's where we're headed. I love it. Big thanks to Charles Michael Davis for recapping this episode with me. Uh, I can't wait to find out what happens next week on Younger so we can talk about it all right here on the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker, and this is Younger Uncovered. <laughs>